Amen. Thank you so much for leading us in worship and the new songs that were just beautiful. Thank you. I want to invite you to pray once more before we open the word of God together this morning. Our Jesus, I thank you so much that you are with us in the middle of the storms, that in everything you are present. And I pray especially that you would move among us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would speak to what each one of us needs today, that you would comfort and convict, draw near to us in this moment as we are drawing near to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. We're in this series called Being Human, Imago Dei, that as we live here in this life, we experience the full range of human emotion and that that actually is what we were designed for. And last week I shared with you with the topic of anger, that perhaps anger has the worst reputation of any emotion that we would talk about here. Second only, perhaps some of you said that this topic today, that anger is even second to that, sadness that tears feel as unwelcome as anger to you and to your family. It was always be quiet, have strength, dry your eyes. It was, you were raised, some of us, in a culture where that was not welcome. And so perhaps this week or last week ends up being uh, the topic that is most challenging for you. Uh, I remember starting out in Philadelphia and one of my elders there, he certainly talked about this a lot. He said that at camp meeting, all the different people would corner him and talk with him because they wanted to know what it was like because I was the first lead pastor that was a woman that they had ever had. And so he said they were constantly pulling him aside and, and saying to him, you know, what was it like? We want to understand, you know, like, what is this? And he said, do you know what they always ask me? And I said, no idea. <laughs> I'd love to know. And he said, is she crying all the time? She must be crying all the time. Can she make it through a sermon? And he's like, Yes, she makes it through sermons without crying. I'm the one who's crying. <laughs> and I had to laugh because it shows just how much we do welcome or not our tears, right? Um, he, we would have a laugh over this. And I said, you know, I think tears are a sign of a receptive heart to the Holy Spirit. And he said, I am crying all the time and I welcome that. <laughs> So we would have a laugh over this. But it really is true that there's this stigma with tears, even as there's a stigma with anger, especially a gendered response to that, right? But Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says this, and I think it's really important for us to understand as it relates to our emotions. He said, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. He's a pastor. He goes on to say, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. 
It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. For us as Seventh-day Adventists, this is right in the heart of what we believe as a holistic message from God, that our physical health and our emotional health and our spiritual health and our mental health all connect. So as we talk this month about mental health awareness, for us this is, of course, we're connected. The way that we treat emotions would affect the way that we live spiritually and emotionally. So as we look today at this topic, I pray that you might set aside some of your bias, perhaps, some of your experience or the culture that you bring with you from your family of origin, that we can look together today at the example of our Jesus. Because any question we might have had about how God values and views emotion is answered in the incarnation. Jesus took on flesh and tabernacled among us. And so we find the shortest verse in the English scriptures. Jesus, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus stood before the tomb where his close friend was laid. He stood there in love. And this God who was about to call his name. This God who had spoken all things into existence, that in him everything had come into being. That's the kind of power this God had in his voice. This God stood before the tomb of his beloved friend and wept. Tears rolling down his face. Can you picture Jesus that way? Some of you never pictured Jesus with a whip last week turning tables. If you really stop to think about it, Jesus with tears flowing down his face might be just as startling. Why do we return to this image? Why do we return to this scripture, John eleven thirty five? 35? Because maybe... Maybe if this God who was about to call forth Lazarus from the tomb, if this God can allow himself to weep, maybe we can too. If this God can allow himself that moment of tears rolling down his face, perhaps I can too. Three times we have recorded in scriptures that Jesus weeps. This brings into focus this fact. Others might feel uncomfortable with our pain, but God isn't. Others might feel uncomfortable with your pain, but God isn't. You might even feel uncomfortable with your pain. You might want your tears to dry and you might want to move on, but God is not uncomfortable. God has empathy and care for you that goes beyond what you could imagine. We are invited to allow ourselves to be human because that is where we meet God. To live the image of God requires us to be human. Christian counselor K.J. Ramsey, she says this. She says, in order to, we cannot become holy without being human. So if you are on a quest for spiritual maturity and you want to go deeper and grow more mature in connection with God, 
also requires emotional maturity. I ran across a poem written about the three times that Jesus weeps in scripture. The three times we see tears grace the face of the Son of God. Christina Joy Holmes, I want to share it with you now. I asked the Lord to give me love, his love for souls in sin. Instead, he gave me weeping eyes, a broken heart within. I asked him why he gave me tears. He took me back in time to when the Savior lived on earth when he was in his prime. I saw him go to where his friend was lying in the grave. The sisters and their friends were grieved. What love to them he gave. You see, my Savior standing there was also grieved that day. He wept great heaving tears with sobs till those who saw could say, behold, we see now how he loved. His tears revealed his heart. His love was evident through tears. I also saw God's point in part. And then he took me to the day the people hailed their king. When Jesus enters to their cheers, the children run and sing. But when he saw Jerusalem stretched out before his eye, his soul was moved in grief for them. It moved his heart to cry. Oh, as I read those solemn words, I feel that they are sweet. For in them I behold his love so perfect and complete. To one more place he took me now. At midnight I beheld the Son of God bowed down with grief in deepest sorrow held. I heard his weeping strong and deep, but th though I, through it I discerned, he prayed for me, it melted me, his love for me I learned. With tearful joy I thank the Lord for answering my prayer, for giving me his love for souls, his tears, his heart, his care. We see in the heart of Jesus that he cried, that he wept at death, he wept in pain over Jerusalem, and he was in anguish as he bridged to us in reconciliation. You know, the truth that God is good, the truth that God remains faithful forever, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, is all an illusion until tested. Until you walk through life, until you know what it's like to wait for that diagnosis, to see if there will be an answered prayer, to watch if there's reconciliation. Until you wait, you do not know the enduring presence of God. Until we go through those things, they are just facts that we know to be true. Till we find out that God's love does indeed endure forever. The psalmist says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And what the very next words of the psalmist are is, where can I go from your presence? If I ascend, there you are. If I go down to the depths, there you are. Even darkness is as light to you. I contend that until we go through it, we don't know it to be true. The psalmist went through it and could testify that even in the dark, your light dawns. Even in the lowest place, there you are. In facing the suffering of this life, it is actually an invitation to find God's enduring presence. So Jesus, we saw, weeps 
at Lazarus' tomb, but he also weeps over Jerusalem. Now, this was an odd situation a bit because there was so much rejoicing. Imagine the scene, like children screaming, Hosanna, praise. This is Jesus coming as king. And as he's making this triumphal entry, he pauses and looks out over the city and he weeps. They're all excited and joyful. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where everyone else is excited and happy, but tears are flowing. He's weeping over the city as there's rejoicing going on around him. Why did Jesus weep? Matthew 23, 37 says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Is Jesus crying because they killed the prophets and everyone God sent to them, they abused? Well, that's definitely sad. But I don't believe that's what this scripture is saying. He's saying, you're hurting. I long to gather you. I long to hold you close in what you went through in the past and what you're about to go through because Jesus was looking down at what was going to happen to Jerusalem as it was going to face destruction. But you wouldn't let me comfort you. This is what causes Jesus to weep, is you are going through something and you're not allowing me to bring you comfort, to hold you close. Now, many here don't find yourself in a season of weeping. Some are finding yourself in a season of grief, but some are not. Maybe for some of us who aren't in a season, we could ask God that we could weep with those who weep. We could ask God to weep for the world. Let my heart break for what breaks your heart. Maybe as you scroll, that you read headlines and you scroll and you pray, let my heart be impacted like your heart is right now, God. Because our God's heart breaks, I want my heart to break too. Jesus' heart broke when people were going through some pain and yet not receiving the comfort of the presence of God. So what does that tell us about how God wishes to be with us in our suffering? That Actually, what grieves the heart of God is not allowing God to come close, that we would experience fully the grief, but allow God's presence to be right there with us. Permission to weep. God desires us to have this. In 1847, Victor Hugo, the author of Les Mis, wrote a short poem following the death of his beloved daughter. And he said, you who weep, Come to this God, for he weeps. You who suffer, come to him, for he cures. You who tremble, come to him, for he smiles. You who pass in death, come to him, for he remains. God is far more comfortable with our emotions than even we are. God is far more safe than you could imagine. Pain and suffering, loss and despair, depression And death are all invitations to be held in the presence of a God who understands. An invitation to comfort. How I long to gather you underneath my wings in safety. Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. The only prerequisite for receiving rest and the wholeness of God is that we acknowledge our weariness, that we name our burden and come to God. So what if? What if instead of pushing away your pain, your pain is an invitation into the presence of the God who loves you? What if your sadness is a sacred pathway into feeling God's care? What if your tears are the seeds that water your faith to strengthen you for the road ahead? Surely we can all agree we were not made for this. God set eternity in our hearts. We're not made to grow old or have disease or illness or any of this experience that we have here. We're not made for it. We were made to live in the presence of God, face-to-face communion forever. But what Genesis 50 verse 20 says is what was meant for evil, God uses for good. That suffering, that darkness, that pain, God can even use for good. Even that is not beyond the redemptive hand of our God. That God wants to be with us even there. K.J. Ramsey once more, she said, rather than a place where we lose ourselves, suffering is a place where we find ourselves. We find God right there. One commentator points out that John eleven thirty five is the shortest verse in the English Bible, but not if you go to the Greek. In the Greek, it's 16 Greek letters, literally meaning Jesus shed tears. I know, it's the same, right? Jesus wept, Jesus shed tears. You didn't need that, trans- you didn't need the original language to understand that. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, there's a verse that's 14 Greek letters. Rejoice evermore. The shortest scripture in the Greek Bible. As I read this, I was reminded again that our weeping, even the weeping of Jesus, is turned to rejoicing. That all weeping one day will be turned to joy. As we weep, only as we weep, can we enter into the experience of joy. Only as we allow ourselves to enter into the suffering can we experience the resurrection. Jesus allowed himself to weep. And then he got to experience the rejoicing. You might find yourself in a place of weeping today. Sense, I hope, the empathy and the compassion and the tender presence of God. If you don't find yourself there today, hear the words of Paul in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. May God give you the courage to come alongside someone who is experiencing loss right now, who is verbalizing doubt and despair, who is suffering in some way. May you come alongside. This week we were listening to a song And it's a song I really love. It's called, You Will Be Found. Does anyone know it? You Will Be Found? Love that song so much. It's a powerful message that even when we're at our most broken, that even there, God in that place can find us. That's my interpretation of the song, I know. One part of the song says this, even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come, because you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be 
found. I was listening to this song with Ava and Josiah in the car, and Ava asked, what does that mean, broken on the ground? Why are they broken on the ground? And I recounted this to her and wrote it down immediately. I said, sometimes life is painful, we get hurt, and we fall down to the ground. And the way back up is knowing God will always find us. I hope that you and Josiah always know that God will find you. Even when you're struggling, God can reach out to you. And I asked her permission to share this. She said, God comes to us and sends us angels and a caring person. We just read a book about that. I said, you did? Well, that's a message for all of us, no matter what age. That message that God will always come to you. And that's why I love this song, that no matter where you find yourself, if you find yourself in a place of weeping today, no matter where you find yourself, you have a good shepherd that is relentless about finding you. That God will always come find you. That when we're at our most broken, that God will pursue us in love and will find us wherever we are. God knows what it's like to be in pain. God knows the heartbreak of being human. God knows what it means like to suffer and be lost. Jesus literally was on the ground, weeping and in pain. He understands. But then the promise of being found is Psalm 3.3, that you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. That you are the one who lifts me up from this place. So today, as you imagine Jesus, who had the courage to weep, as you imagine Jesus, I pray that you feel permission to weep as well, or to weep alongside someone else, but that you also hear the words of Jesus saying, how I long to comfort you. This God who weeps with us, this God who understands us, longs to comfort us, longs with wings like a hen holding her chicks, to hold us close, to lift up our head, to find us. This God will never stop seeking to find us. I pray that you know this God.